Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Marcus, you know, it's always great whenever we have a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on the show. The fact that we are going to be able to talk to this Rock and Roll Hall of Famer and hear not only stories about his time with that band, but he'll be able to talk about what he's doing now and his beautiful music he's making still to this day. Well, it's even made more exciting by the fact that he's a member of one of my favorite units, the E Street Band. I'm talking about David Sanchez and his new album, Eyes Wide Open. Let's welcome David to the podcast. Hello. 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 David, how hey, are Hey, David, you? welcome, man. Hi, how are you doing? How's the weather in Hawaii, man? Oh, it's another fabulous day. There we get that. What island are you on? I'm on Kauai. Uh, that's the best of island by far. It by is. far. My five-year-old loves the big island because the volcanoes are very active there, and he loves watching the lava tubes and all of that. Yeah. So he's yeah, yeah. he loves Hawaii. Yeah, it's a special place, man. It's no nice. doubt. From where, you, where both of you are. We're near Philadelphia. Okay. Grew up in I'm Denver, just but... north, and he's just west. Yeah. Okay. In your early days with the boss, you used to come down this way and play play little little oh, places man, like the main point so. yeah we played there a lot I love it too. <laughs> and great, all through it's a great music town yeah it is uh it really is we played there a lot with uh you know early days of uh, uh e street band yeah. and, and i played there a lot actually years later uh, at a place called the Tin Angel with Francis Dunnery. Oh, mm-hmm. right. On the, the Tin Angel is nice. Yeah. yeah. We worked together for maybe a, a year or two. Cool. Um, it's close doing house concerts and uh, Tin Angel and places like that. Nice. But yeah, Philly's great. Great place to play. Woman, won't you take your anger out on the girl next door? Well, you've played with a lot of people besides Francis and that kid from Freehold. <laughs> what is some of your favorite stuff from over the years? Before we talk about Eyes Wide Open, your latest uh, album, I want to ask you a little bit about some other stuff. Yeah. Uh, you worked with people like Peter Gabriel and Sting and Clapton and Jeff Beck. What are some of your favorite things that came out of that experience touring with those guys through the decades? Oh, so many. My gosh. I mean, playing in a club in Philly is extraordinary. You know, I couldn't really say that. Honestly, I can't think of one 
specifically like one concert with one artist out of all the different artists that I've been, uh, been able to to work with where I just said, wow, this is it, this tops everything. Can't say that, I don't really have that. Because uh, again, I think it's, it's all extraordinary. I mean, it's amazing to play in a place. On that, uh, this is many years ago, I think it was the Amnesty International Tour. And it was one that had Peter and Sting and Bruce and Yusu and Duel. I was there. I saw that tour. That tour was, uh, we went around the world twice in two weeks, something crazy like wow. that. It was really wild as a production as well. This is for all those people on death row in this country. It's called Red Rain. But we played in all these um, stadiums. We played uh, big venues, you know? And the largest one, I think, was somewhere in South America. It was huge, like wow. insanely big. You know, when you play, I mean, I played a lot of stadiums and arenas. Like, you know, you start playing clubs or like maybe 500 people, then it's a thousand seats, and then it's a couple thousand, and 10,000 is, is an arena, and then 15,000 a stadium and all that stuff. So having played all these different size rooms, from the largest to the smallest sort of bar, anything that's that big, like 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 people, right. it's so big that it's small. It's actually not intimidating. It's just a sea of color out there. And your focus is on the stage, really. It's too big to focus on any one individual. If you're, you're viewed from the stage on a, on a stage set in a stadium, it's really, you know, and there's a whole barrier. There's a security barrier between the stage and the people, you know. So it's just, it's so big that it's small. It doesn't intimidate you and your focus wow. is on the stage and with your colleagues and your bandmates and your friends. And at that point, you have every confidence of what you're doing. You know, at that point, you're not making it, or you're making it up if you're improvising, but I mean, you know, you're all well familiar with each other and, and how you play. So you have, you have confidence and you just, you enjoy it. It's exciting, but I'm saying that, you know, it's equal in a small club. There's something super special about playing in a small place and having a great interaction, again, with your, your bandmates, whoever you're playing with, and the audience in, in, the, uh, in the room. It's, you know, it's as wow a moment as energy as like, wow, there's, you know, 15,000, 20,000 people out there. So that's what I mean by it's, it's all special in its own Way. You said something very interesting about looking out and seeing just color in a big crowd because I know as somebody who speaks in front of audiences, when I first started learning how to speak in front of audiences and gaining confidence, one of the things they told us was, look out there and pretend everybody's naked. It'll help relax you. <laughs> and it's one of the ways to loosen you up when you're speaking. So I find it very interesting that you look at the big crowds as just <laughs> color like that. And it relaxes you in that way where, versus the way that I was taught as far as to relax in speaking in front of large groups. Yeah. Well, there's two points to that. One is I'm actually nearsighted. My my vision without my glasses, the world looks like a Monet painting. <laughs> all very soft, it's all bears, but it's diffuse, you know, and uh, which is good. But my vision for near things, like for reading, is excellent without glasses, right? And I love to read and all, so that's fine. But if I don't have my glasses on, it's all kind of very again like uh, like Monet. It's lovely. Cool. But when I play music, I either wear contact lenses, and again, my focus is like on the stage and where I'm at. So it's different in a club because you can actually visually make eye contact with another human being. Mm -hmm. They might be standing right it's, there by your side. Exactly. It's really exactly. small. Yeah, the intimacy is totally I, different. I, I tell you, 
Oh, we, Francis and I did a bunch of shows at Ten Angel. He used to have a residency there. Uh, I loved playing there. The atmosphere, the energy in that room, and the people were all huge friends of, of, of Francis and, and, uh, and some of mine. And we just had an amazing um, rapport as a duo. And the energy in that room, when we played, we played those songs, it was, it was super special. I mean, you walk out of there feeling very, very, you know, satisfied and uh, you can feel all the love and, and appreciation in the room. And, mm. But it's all good. Big, small, in between, you know, in your house, in your backyard. <laughs> yep. Well, you've traveled all over and played all over. I guess I want to know, we were talking earlier about the main point when we first started talking. How do you get around to the point where you're part of Western Stars, the most uh, amazing album film project that I've seen in the last couple of years working with Bruce? Mm. It was a phone call. I was at home and he called me on the phone and said, uh, what are you doing? Are you home for a while? I'm doing this project and it's not a... It's not an East Street Band project, and um, can you want to come down for a couple of days and do a few songs? And I did. I was living in—I uh, was still living in Woodstock back then, and uh, we used to live about by car, maybe like an hour and a half away from each other. And right, upstate New York, and he's kind of in northern New Jersey, I think, around Colts Neck or somewhere mm-hmm. like that. Yep, in the farmland. So that's what I did. I got in the car and, and, and I drove down and I stayed there for about, I think I was there for two days, maybe three days. That's cool. And uh, yeah, and we recorded and it was great. Kind of completing a circle there, you know, from your early days with the E Street Band where you are uh, ensconced in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as part of that world famous unit. Marcus is going to say, oh boy, here goes the because <laughs> He knows that round for round, pound for pound, nobody in the known universe and beyond can top. The amazing East Street Band. Uh, you're a fan. <laughs> oh, I get fan. David, I got I got goosebumps having you on the podcast here as a Philly kid who grew up as you guys were making it happen. It's just great to have you on. But uh, thank you, man. That's a, it's my pleasure to be on. I don't think that that circle, you know, that project, Western Stars, is most likely not the end of what Bruce and I will do together or what he will invite me into or what I will invite him into. Wait a minute. That that's was just me having a fangasm, dude. Hold on a second. Here it is. Yeah, no. That's not a complete circle until we both dead, until one of us or both of us don't, aren't around anymore. That's true. Then that, I suppose you could say that some sort of circle had been completed. But... um yeah, I feel like that. I don't. I think you're you're out of the E Street band when you actually pass away. Other than that, you're always sort of a part of it in some way. I had skin like leather and he's he's continued to call me. I mean, got way before Western Stars. I mean, mm-hmm. years ago when he did um, Human Touch and Lucky Town, I was on those records. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, someone asked, I did a, an interview the other day. He said I was actually in Los Angeles doing a session for someone else. And his management or someone, the producer, tracked me down or heard I was in town. And they called me at the hotel and said, how long are you in town for? Can you, you know, we're doing this album. Can you come by? And, you know, I think I'm on both of those. I want a human touch, lucky town. I think I'm on wow. Yeah, and Western Stars. Again, I, I, I'm, I'm always available for that. You know, we've spoken about, uh, actually, when I was there, I had a, a concept for a piece of music that really would just involve Bruce and myself. It's sort of acoustically based, acoustic piano. And I may do a, a string arrangement for the acoustic piano, 
and Bruce playing acoustic guitar, but the way, you know how he plays guitar with like effects when he does his solo shows, you know, right. he's, he's got a whole sound effects thing. He's playing acoustic instrument, but he's got all kinds of like time delays and different, you know. Yeah, actually has different setups for some of the different songs because of the feels yeah. they need. Something like Tom Jode's different. But, than but I, I love that sound. I love what he, what he does in that way. Mm-hmm. So it would be like acoustic guitar with effects, acoustic piano, and maybe I may at the end of it, how it comes out, I may do a string arrangement for it. Something similar to like we did for a New York City Serenade, something like that. But that's a concept for the future. But I, I spoke with him about it. He, he said, absolutely, just let me know, you know. So he's up for doing stuff. I'm always up for doing anything uh, that he's involved in. It just, just takes a phone call. Mm-hmm. So. You're giving me a fan and listeners of the podcast insights on how these things come around or come together and how you guys interact. So you guys have stayed in touch pretty much on and off pretty much through the years. And uh, how about with some of the other guys from from the band? You still in touch with them? Well, we live all sort of scattered. Uh, I'm sort right. of probably more in touch with uh, with Gary. I just had a great conversation with Gary Talent um, maybe about a month ago now. Um, he's planning a project um, for the um, his uh, foundation, Bruce's um, archives situation. And uh, he asked me if I'm available to come. I think it's going to be sometime in the fall uh, to do that. But... Um, and again, I haven't physically been part of the traveling band for a long time, but we don't sort of stay in touch so much by phone, email, and a constant thing. But the thing about that band, and especially the relationship between myself and Gary and Bruce uh, and, and, and Vinny, if he's around, it's just sort of instantaneous. It's not something you have to work out to reconstruct, you know, because mm-hmm. we spent so much time together in our formative years, and it was so you know, dynamic and what, what happened for all of us, you know, um, not just Bruce, but for all of us. I always feel connected to them, whether I'm physically with them or not, and whether no matter how much clock time might go in between the communication. It's just, you know, it's like that. Wow. David Sanchez, our guest here on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. Um, I want to talk about your latest album and some of the other things that you've done. But we're going to take a pause for the cause that refreshes and head to Crooked Eye in Hepburn, where, you know, they've got the cure for what ails you since 2014. David, if you like fresh beer, freshly made, whatever it is that you'd want in a brew, they make it at Crooked Eye. (laughs) Great. That's great. Hey, Ray, it's been a really fun summer, and included in that summer fun is all the happenings at Crooked Eye Brewery over in the heart of Hatboro. So much going on, including the opening of the Crooked Eye Kitchen and the arrival of Salty Vets Barbecue. Matt and his team started small, but demand immediately outgrew what they'd done, so they've been making more to keep people fed over there. I got to tell you, man, so much has changed in the way things are going, too. Like, Rich and John are doing a duet now, and they're appearing regularly in addition to all the the regulars like the Crooked Eye Band. And with the fall coming on, you're going to see some really nice fall varieties of beers in the And cider, room. too, yeah. probably. Don't forget, it's all there. Craft Cocktails, too, at Crooked Eye at the main location, right there off York Road in Hapro. Pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014, and now pouring craft cocktails and serving up that salty vet fall-off-the-bone barbecue. Keep up with what's going on at the Crooked Eye Brewery by following them on Facebook. 
Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. We are back after that very tasty break with our friends at Crooked Eye. We are talking to David Sanchez. He's got a new album out called Eyes Wide Open, which was released in March of 2020. We've had a chance to listen to it. It's a wonderful album. There's beautiful music abounding throughout the album. The last album you released was an album in 2007. Why did you wait 13 years between releasing albums, and how did Eyes Wide Open come to be? Okay, well, first of all, tell me the title of that 2007 album. What that, is the title of The that? 2007 album is called Live in the Now. Cinema in 2005 was the last recorded album you did. There you go, 2005 Cinema and Live in the Now 2007. Yes. All right. Okay. I asked you because I don't actually remember the <laughs> myself. That's why I asked you. I want to be sure where I am. Okay. Who came first? Because cinema and then live in the now. Uh, why did I wait that long? It's just, it's not that it, w- it wasn't a conscious hard decision to wait that long. That's mm-hmm. just the way my life unfolded. Is the honest, the real easy answer. My, my work life and everything else just became so, it just took precedence over making records for a while. But all in that 12-year period of not putting out uh, an actual record, I continued to record the whole time. I had a studio. My studio space in our previous house in Woodstock was very large. It was the size of a professional, like a, a, a small A room or a, a, a B room in a, in a studio. Oh, it was, was fantastic. It was the whole bottom level of a three-story structure in the, in the country in Woodstock. So, and I had it really done like totally professionally a, a professional console we had a drum kit a stage set up a whole guitar station a seven foot grand piano a keyboard station it was really fantastic cool so what I, what I did was on my own when i came home in projects like you know say oh god i don't know let's go back to even as studio days to be honest let's go back to the 90s early 90s okay. 91 uh when i started touring with sting 
okay, that was a long project, but we used to work in blocks of about six or eight weeks, like uh, two weeks home, and then you put you on a plane and send you back out. So all in that period, what I was doing was putting the studio together. You know, actually ordering gear and getting people in and, and, and do it together. And Vinny Colaiuta, bless his heart, I, I used to love watching him at sound checks tune his drum kit because Vinny's mm-hmm. ear is so deep. He would he tunes to different chords and he is very specific. And I would be like doing something on the piano and he, he would identify the chord I was playing without being anywhere near an instrument with pitch. He could just tell. Yeah, that's a, that's a dominant seven, you know, that's a B flat on top of that. And he said, hit a B flat for me. And he would like, you know, tweak it like that, you know. So his drum kit then, he was playing Yamaha back then. I'm not sure what he's playing now. But he had this amazing Yamaha drum kit. And I said, look, I'm putting a studio together in my house. I got a great space. And I want to have a drum kit. Like, what do you recommend? And he said, I like this kit so much. I said, and he said, look, I'll get you a copy of my kit. So wow. he got and he was so cool. That's true. And he was using back then, a, uh, it wasn't a double bass drum kit, it was a double bass drum pedal. It was one bass drum but with a double pedal. And he had this array of tom poms and he had two hi-hats. That's what, he had two hi-hats, a double bass drum pedal. It was to die for. So he said, oh, if you like the way this kit sounds, I'll, I'll get you one. He actually got me one from Yamaha, had it delivered to my house and had his technician come to my studio and set it up exactly like he like <laughs> wow. kidding you. To make sure it's good for you. Yeah, exactly, man. That's exactly. awesome. So then he would come come to the house and play with, I want it like that. So you, whenever we get together, just walk in the door, man, and you don't even have to bring your, your pedals or nothing. So that's what it was for a while. Wow. And actually, um, not to go on too long about those early days, but last song of the album, War in Heaven, was actually the very first song recorded in my studio. Now the basic tracks for that was recorded somewhere, I'm gonna say, it was either summer of 91 or maybe spring of 92. Oh wow. One of those, yeah. And it was just me and Vinny. And Vinny used to live in Connecticut those days, going on his way to Philadelphia to visit his mom. And where I was in Woodstock, where he was in Connecticut, was really close by a car. So he said, oh, you know, I said, what are you doing? I'll come by the house on my way. I'll stop at your house. He came by, stayed at the house for three days, and we recorded like crazy. One of those results is, is that song. Now, again, all the, and that whole period of not doing anything, that was in a great state. I knew it was always going to come out some way, and, and I left it alone. But in 2016, when Trump won the election, that was the beginning of me saying, look, I really want to... Uh, um, compile all this music and put something out. I want to say something about the state of our, um, of our society. And, and on your vocal numbers on this album, you have a lot of things to say, and that's something yeah. that people aren't maybe used to actually hearing your physical voice. May they hear your voice, they hear your musical and feel your musical voice. Yeah. But there's definitely some point to the, uh, to the eyes wide open. It's a good indicator of what, uh, what you're talking about here, David. Not okay. Do not believe what some people say. Up is down, the sky is on the ground. Shoot you in the back is the name of a town somewhere. Somewhere in America. 
Uh, you mentioned Vinny, and we have encountered him early in our podcast. Uh, yeah. We encountered information while we were doing research about his unbelievable career. Uh, not just how much, but all the different people, all the different styles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then we saw that he was one of the drummers that you used on this album. And here we are talking about him like like we all know him, but <laughs> you do. Tell us a little something about him that we don't know. Oh, my God. Vinny Kaliuta is a sweetheart. He's a, he, We are like brothers from another mother. And as soon as we started working together, I'd only met him once before working together with Sting. But as soon as we started working together, we just hit it off instantly. Just, gosh, there's there's no accolade you could put on him that hasn't already been said. He's just, he's awesome as a musician, but he's a wonderful human being. He's a very deep soul. He's a deep thinker and he feels things very deeply, very, very deeply. I've had some of the best conversations with Vinnie Kaliuta on an airplane going from, you know, whatever, New York to London or London to Tokyo, whatever, flying all over the place. But we have had some of the most soulful, sincere conversations uh, in my life. And he's, he's just a guy. If you've checked out his podcast. Uh, no, we got to check it out. Give it a plug for us. Breakfast with Vin, Breakfast with Vinny, something like that. And thanks for clearing up how you pronounce his last name, because we struggled with it at first. <laughs> yeah, that's what I could tell you. He's, a, apart from being a fantastic musician with a, a legendary um, career, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a lovely human being. He's fantastic. You also play with somebody that we both love very much on this album that is not Vinny, and that is Will Calhoun of Living Color, who plays on In the Middle of the Night. I think he is also not only a magnificent drummer, maybe one of the best on the planet today. He has transcended drumming. He has taken his percussion to a whole new level, but like Vinny, the depth of his person is unbelievable. He is an incredible person up and down. He really is. I just spoke to him yesterday, actually. He called me. You know, I don't know if you guys know it, but we have a duo called uh, Open Secret. I've heard of no, it. No, I didn't. Okay. All right. There you go. It's, there's some stuff on the internet. In 2019, I, we, did a, we did a tour of the Northeast, and we, we put this thing together. It's called Open Secret. I'm sure if you go on the internet, there's clips of us playing at the Iridium in New York and uh, and some other places. We played in Asbury Park, but it's a it's a keyboard and percussion duo. And we've already got uh, an album, uh, the better part of a live album together from that tour. And hopefully that's gonna come out sometime this summer. But I totally agree with you about Will, about his personality and about his musical skills. And the, the track that he plays on, on Eyes Wide Open is called uh, uh, In the Middle of the Night. Listen to his his 
drumming. I, I, we just spoke yesterday. It's so funny. I said, Will, and he, he, he had just seen the video for it. And again, I don't know if you guys know it, but there's a video uh, that, that I did for um, the vocal songs for Eyes Wide Open, uh, In the Middle of the Night, and Urban Song Number 3. And if you go to, uh, there's a YouTube channel that they started for me. And they're there, and they can also see them on my, uh, my site, uh, davidsanctions.com. The basic thing about a man is not his specificity, but his fundamental, not the texture of his hair or the color of his skin, but his eternal dignity at work. May I walk the streets alone, free from suspicion. It's good that you let people know these things so they can go find them when they're done listening today. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So Will plays on this song uh, in the middle of the night. And what he did was when we recorded the song, I I wrote it and he he overdubbed on it. But because I wrote it just on my own, I did the keyboards and I wrote to a drum loop. But I said, Will, I didn't really want uh, loops on this. I want some real, you know, stuff. But he heard the loop and how it was working with the song. And it was kind of a it's a hip hop loop, but it's very empty. It's not a lot going on, you know, it's rhythmic. And he said, man, I'm digging that. Why don't I just play over top of that? So what he did was leaving space for whatever good the loop was doing in the song. He played bass drum, hi-hat, and cymbals. There were like three cymbals and occasional tom hits. Making laws make no sense. But what he did on the cymbals was he he went to town. It was like he played this Malian kind of like groove. You know, he he spent a lot of time in Africa and studied in Mali and with these master musicians. This groove that he did, what he's doing with the cymbals over top of that, it's like I never heard anything quite like that before. It was just amazing. I, I told him that it's was cool like, to still be amazed by new things, new sounds, oh, yeah. feels, even even now. I mean, as accomplished as you are and have been throughout your career, all the things you've heard and seen, God, well, that's cool. But that's why I said I said so on the on the liner notes of the record. I had a lot of fun making this record, and I I did things I hadn't done before. You know, I don't think you can find anything anywhere with that particular group because of the way Will did it so original and so um, I mean check it out it's like the symbols are just like on fire but it's like riding above all this other very solid kind of uh, ethereal vibe you know so yeah as far as Will Calhoun I, I can only completely agree with you uh, in every uh, uh, in every way it's brilliant we're also going to uh, try and do some dates in the fall um, on the east coast um Again, and we'll try and get into Philly, uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania, Philly. But uh, we're working on that at the moment. But. You played on one of my favorite albums from the 70s, School Days, from Stanley Clark. Right. Uh, Ken Scott talked a lot about that in his book. What was that whole experience like? That was fun. I should read Ken's book. I think I have it, and I never quite got through it. But uh, it was great working with him. He was a legendary uh, engineer slash producer at the time. He did some amazing records. 
it was exciting because we're working with, uh, and I don't know how old I was then. I was 20 something. I had to be 20 something. <laughs> it had to be in the first couple of years after, it was right after Forest of Feelings, maybe right before, right as you were yeah, getting exactly. out on your own. Well, yeah. It was exactly. So that was. Um, a wee lad. <laughs> a wee lad, yeah. And uh, it was exciting because uh, I was way into. Um, you know, Return to Forever and Chick Corea and the whole thing, that whole Mahavishnu, the whole thing in music. And the thing about Forest of Feelings was that was really the start of me getting um, a lot of attention from other artists. And suddenly it went from, you know, here's me with the band making, making records. You know, I had an actual contract to make a certain amount of records over a certain amount of time. And I'm getting the phone calls. That's when, you know, Peter Gabriel called. That's how that connection started. Wow. He heard Forrest of Feelings, and he sent a telegram to the record company. What the? Saying, yeah, that's true. Saying that he was going to, he was going to leave Genesis, and he's going on to do the solo recording. And would I be interested in being part of the recording? He was really impressed with, with the record, right? That was the beginning of that connection. Stanley Clark. I was at home on, I was visiting my mom mm-hmm. on East Street and I was in the basement with some friends and we were just messing around. I think we had like a drum kit and some keyboards and guitars down there. Very casual messing around. And my mom knocks on the basement door. She goes, David, uh, there's a phone call for you. Stanley Clark is on the phone. <laughs> you don't hear that every day. Yeah. But the, uh, and then, you know, that and gosh, Lenny White. And the Stanley connection came through Lenny White, actually, because Lenny White called me to do his solo album, Venusian Summer. And I think Stanley heard that. I have to go find it now. Yeah. Wow. Now, when I'm you, just enjoying the hell yeah. out of this, David. Yeah, Thank you for like letting me geek out a little yeah. bit as a oh, street kid, right. you know? That's all right. When you played with Peter Gabriel, did you ever do any live dates with Manu Kache on drums? They were all live. All was was he one of the drummer? Was he one of the drummers you played with? Was I guess my question. Actually, with the exception of this last reunion tour we did, that Manu didn't do. Uh, yeah, all the stuff when I got in the band uh, was Manu. Because what happened was, I think it was '86. The record had come out, and then I got a phone call from his management saying that Peter was going to change the band, the live touring band, and he asked me if I if I wanted to do that. And Manu had also done the album. Yeah. Larry Fast, the original keyboard player, did uh, keyboards on the album. I think it's Larry and also Peter played some keyboards. But then I did all I did all the live stuff from the the original So Tour in '86, and uh, that's when I met Manu, and he did all of that. He did '86, '87 So Tour, and actually everything um, all the touring with Peter that I did uh, was with Manu. Um, we did an episode about that album, the production at the house, and, and okay. Peter and Daniel and all the different people traipsing through the studio and the whole year of basically being mm-hmm. locked down with it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good to get some other insights into that whole thing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, yeah I, I remember seeing and watching the documentary or the making of the album of So, and there's just, again, like Will Calhoun, there's something about Manu Kache's energy that is really special. And there's just okay. something about him that just, he stands out in a really special way. He's awesome. He's a fantastic musician. And he has this kind of, this innate kind of confidence in his own playing that is really special. It just means like, 
it's like whatever he's playing is is it you know he, he just exudes that thing that what he's playing is the right thing to play mm. you know yeah. a lot of times musicians don't have all that much confidence you're sort of and you can tell they're sort of trying to feel it out mm -hmm. you know okay with everybody is cool you know but he doesn't really do that yeah. he just you know approaches it with a, a very um again great musicianship and, and and spontaneity and yeah i mean i've been really blessed i mean there's nothing negative that i could say about any of the people that you're gonna you we might be talking about in terms of you know colleagues mm -hmm. or bandmates because i've been blessed to just work with some amazing uh, musicians well, I can tell, man, and part of it's you. You are one, I can just, from talking to you at this list a little bit, you're one of the most chill people I've ever met, really. And by the way, um, not to embarrass you, but you are extremely handsome. I just want to say uh, the Dorian Gray reference in Eyes doesn't isn't lost on me. Uh, <laughs> Because I'm, I, I, at one point I went, yeah, I wonder if he's got a painting in the attic because he looks so, so he looked younger than. Uh, what, are you, what are you talking about? Stuff on the internet? What are they saying about me on the internet? No. I must have a Dorian Gray thing in my in my attic. No I'm one like, said that. I was my thought. That was my thought. Was man, he looks because he, you, you're very youthful, and I, I guess being in the kind of an atmosphere that you've been sharing mm -hmm. will make you feel, keep you young, however you want to put it. Yeah, that's a part of it. I have the good fortune to live with a, a, a wonderful woman, my partner for 24 years, and sweet. She's a big part of, of why I'm um, and in good health, relatively yeah. good health at uh, 67. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also a lot of years. It's the culmination of a lot of years. I sort of got on a good track relatively early on in my life. By the time I was in my, you know, well. I mean, I started doing yoga in my in my 20s and tried for years and years to, to learn tennis until I actually finally did. Has <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, any of them really learned tennis or golf? I mean, you play it, but you know. People do. <laughs> what they don't tell you when you're younger, when you're in school, they don't tell you that you're going to have all sorts of issues at a certain point just because you've arrived at a certain point, you know? Yep. It's not yep. everybody's, uh, you know, right. Not everybody gets there, you know? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, David, we just want to thank you for taking so much time for us today to just talk about your album and just uh, give us so many wonderful insights into your path and sharing it all with us here on this podcast that we do. It's, it's a lot of fun, and we really appreciate it. That's my pleasure. And please let us know if you come to Philadelphia in the fall, because we would love to jump out and see you live, because, yes, again, we're so ready to go see live music again. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I will. You'll be the first. You'll be among the first to know. I'll look for Open Secret, where uh, you know, on the local touring circuit information, because that's what's starting to happen now. Everybody's starting to have... No concerts being announced and there's a big list of shows in the studio at the at wmmr where we both work right. uh, there's shows actually being announced and rescheduled and all kinds of stuff so we'll see you when we see you here that's yeah. a pleasure guys Thank thanks you. so much you bet have all a right. great one enjoy the surf in hawaii man much right. love much love to you too take care Bye -bye. what an interesting life he's led and isn't it kind of cool to take some time and talk to somebody like david sanchez and find out stuff we never knew and learn more about the stuff we did know like every single one of our episodes ray this has been a learning <laughs> experience and 
we continue to learn more and more about rock and roll. It's and we learn the proper pronunciation for Vinny Kaliuta's name. Finally, right? Who else is going to know? But somebody who spends a ton of time with him. So one of his favorite human beings. So thanks again to David Sanchez for being on the podcast, and to our friend Scott Bluebond for hooking us up with David all the way out there in Hawaii. But it's time to go here. Time to leave the Dark Doc Studios and go out into the world, steamy and mean as it is these days. <laughs> <laughs> so until the next time we get together and do this crazy podcast, I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus Goldman. And this is the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.